Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So note my confusion, which I see as a series of conflicting numbers, and I think that many people would consider also these to be conflicting numbers at the first, at the quick. Maybe people who are in the know, smarter than I am, don't see it as conflicting. They see it as, well, telling a story. But when you show me that the Eurozone, meaning the European uh, world, uh, they see inflation sinking to 2.4%, which was below expectations, you think that inflation is working its way down. But then you see that in the United States, that what the Fed views as their quote-unquote favorite gauge shows inflation up 0.2% and 3.5% from a year ago, 0.2% in the month of October. You're like, Europe is going down, but we're going up. And I'm told that a lot of people went holiday shopping, and now I've got the Wall Street Journal telling me that consumers pulled back on spending in October. Was that so they could make it up with Black Friday deals? Or am I not getting the full story on the Black Friday deals? This is our confusion, and we got to work our way through it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Dr. Matt Will joins us. He is an economist at the University of Indianapolis, a professor, a man who tries to teach younger people how to be smart. Let's start with what's going on with inflation in Europe. Eurozone inflation sinks to 2.4%. Core inflation fell to 3.6% from 4.2, providing fuel for expectations, as CNBC writes it, that the European Central Bank might engage rate cuts. What's happening in Europe? Well, first of all, they're not going to engage in rate cuts. That's that's, that's silly speculation because the addicts on Wall Street want lower rates. But what's happening in Europe is what's not happening here. They actually have laws that say how much you can deficit spend. Now, countries like Greece violate it all the time. Uh, Currently, France is violating those rules. But there are rules that a country in the European Union cannot spend more than, I think it's 3 or 4% of their GDP on debt every year. They can't go deficit spending. So they're actually trying to get it under control. The central bank is telling France and other countries, cut your spending. So there's actually a concerted effort. I don't know if it'll succeed, but there's an effort to control spending in Europe by the government. That's not happening here. So Europe, led by Germany, by far the biggest and most powerful economy in that continent, is under control more than we are. I was told by the Biden administration, Dr. Will, that other nations dream of having our economy, that our inflation is lower than theirs. They wish it was this low. Now I'm being told that their inflation is lower. How did that switcheroo happen? Oh, I I don't know. I I guess maybe I don't understand math because Biden believes that 2.4 Europe is higher than the U.S. 3.5. So 2.4 is higher than 3.5. This is new math. This is socialist new math, that somehow 2.4 is higher than 3.5. I don't know what world we're living in, but this is the world we have. But it it goes to this conversation of 
there's a manipulation of data. When Joe Biden and his team make this argument, and I've discussed this on this show, that no one cares what the situation is in Europe. They, they don't care what that is. They care about what's happening at their kitchen table. So it's interesting to hear them squawk about being lower than Europe when right now they're not because we're being told that the personal consumption expenditures price index, which is a mouthful, young man, excluding food and energy, rose 0.2% for the month and 3.5% on a year-over-year basis. This, according to the Commerce Department. Explain to me what this is. Well, this and you don't want to look at the 0.2 number. You want to look at the 0.3, which is disposable personal income. It's how much you have in your pocket to spend. If you have income, but it's taxed or taken away from you, that's not really the relevant number. So it's more the, the 0.3 number if you look at the report. That's simply the amount of money that citizens have in their pocket to spend. And the amount of stuff that they buy with that money is up 0.3% annualized. It. That's, you know, 3.6%. So it's, it's the CPI, which we always talk about, Tony, that's okay. But this is what the Fed really looks at. They like to look at this number because it is what you, the person on Main Street, has and what you're spending. So it's a much more accurate number, in their opinion, and in mine. So you call it a more accurate number. Let me give you a little bit of what we know. Goods prices, the things that we buy every day, saw a 0.3% decrease while services rose 0.2%. International travel, healthcare, food services, and accommodations. And in goods, gasoline did grow and then other things went down. This number, though, you're calling it 0.3 because you're talking about 3.5% from a year ago. That's where you get the 0.3 number, correct? Yes. So the question is, why is this gauge, which, uh, again, um, the personal consumption expenditures price index, why is this a gauge that the Fed likes more than uh, just uh, unemployment numbers? Well, again, you know, let me let me say one thing. We probably spend too much time microanalyzing the numbers. We probably need to wait and look over a few months what the trend is. That's much more meaningful than looking at a, at a snapshot. And that's what the Fed does. The Fed looks in a snap or over time. They don't look at one microscopic number. And they like this number, like I said before, because it is truly reflective of what's in your pocket and what you're spending. The CPI comes from this basket of goods. I think they created it in 1972. I think the stuff we're purchasing today is different than 1972. So the Fed says, we don't care what you're buying. Let's just see what you're spending. We don't care what you're spending it on because the CPI is a basket of goods. Like maybe VCRs are in there. I don't think so, but it's a basket of goods. Disposable income is the cash in your pocket and what you're spending. And that trend, if you look at the current dollar, PCE is going up. It's been 0.4, 0.4, 0.3. It's not in a good direction. It was half that number five months ago. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And I said, by the way, I said unemployment numbers. I meant consumer price index, producer price index. I, for whatever reason, said unemployment. I apologize for that. Talk to me why this is this is bad. Personal consumption expenditures. This, this would signal to, to me that people are buying stuff. That should be a good thing. You're arguing that they're spending more for the stuff. Yes. And in fact, the Wall Street Journal agrees with me, and Amazon disagrees. You, you cited this the other day when we spoke, and you just said it a few moments ago. The Wall Street Journal, this is confusing. 
we always talk about this. It's a confusing economic picture right now that the Wall Street Journal says October spending, holiday spending coming up, it's not as robust as we thought. Yet you heard the other day Amazon saying, oh, the best Cyber Monday they've ever had in history. What's, what, how do we reconcile the two? It's very simple. I've seen this for decades as I do interviews on this. Every holiday season, the retail establishment wants you to be optimistic so you'll buy. Amazon is misleading you. The you know, retail federation, shopping federation, they're misleading you. You have to look at the actual numbers after the holiday season, and the first look from the Wall Street Journal is not good. So that's just part of my conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. You can find the full thing wherever you get your podcast. We'll have it. We'll have it up there. Uh, you can find it at TonyKatz.com. We'll have it there as well, of course, because we have everything there. Um, I think it's important because I, I think that when you are playing politics with the economy, people will never give them a moment. They'll never give a, 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 an inch. Everything that they like is great and everything they don't like is evil. As opposed to a real assessment of the situation, our argument here uh, for uh, over a year now is that this is a very confusing place. This economy is very, very odd because what we see anecdotally doesn't connect to where the numbers are. We saw CBS. At one moment, they said the economy is is going strong. And literally, these, these were tweets that they put out, right? Posts on X. They mentioned that it costs over $11,000 more to have the same standard of living you had in 2022 and 2023. How do those two things coexist? And so this is, this is why it's important to take a look at the data, to try our best to understand the data, and never, ever, ever pretend that something is bad when it's good or good when it's bad. Don't lie. We are all in this. Now, yes, I believe there are policies that will make things better, and certainly less spending will make things better, and less spending is the key to all good things. It is. Less spending is better. But we have to take a look when things are working and and when they're not. And we have to take a look at what policies work and which ones don't. Not because we want them to. Not because we don't want them to. But the realistic view of what's happening. There's not enough realistic view of what is happening. If you ask me, you know, and, and I'm willing to wait to see what the data says, I'm still there that this, this spending situation is, is not good, that people are spending more and, and getting less, I believe, is the case. And then, I didn't even get to go over this with Dr. Will, did you see the story about doom spending? That doom spending... I mean, you you hear something like that, and you're like, what the? And now it's springtime for Hitler and Germany. Doom spending, son of a gun. That is not something that I in any way expected to hear. Inquisition. You are not wrong, Michael Palin. That was Michael Palin. Yeah, that was Michael Palin right there. Um, doom spending 
is the idea that you say to yourself, well, everything's going to crap. Might as well have a new TV. Doom spending. Look, everything is a disaster. Might as well have some shoes. I mean, that's that's what what it is. You're worried about everything. You're stressed out about everything. Oh, my gosh, the money issues. Oh, my gosh, the credit issues. Well, my credit's shot anyway. Bloop. Might as well have a new wardrobe. That is... That, that is that is a really bad idea. Really super bad idea. Super duper bad. Oh, so very bad. But what if that's what we're seeing? 96% of all Americans, according to uh, Intuit Credit Karma, are concerned about the state of the economy. But more than 25% are spending money despite economic and geopolitical concerns. So now take a look at all of that Black Friday shopping. We haven't even gotten to the question of exactly how much of this was put on credit cards that people don't plan to pay off anyway. Credit card debt is over $1 trillion. I think it was $1.08 in the last quarter. $1.08 trillion in credit card debt. Rather than cut expenses, 73% of Gen Z say they would rather live in the moment. They expect a bailout, don't they? Come on, you know it. Just like our student loan debt, you should have to pay for my credit card debt. Why, Why shouldn't I have that Frappuccino? Well, because it's 600 calories and you're already pretty pudgy. Oh, no, wait, can you not say that? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Uh, no, turns out, turns out, fat is not necessarily beautiful. I mean, you could still be uh, attractive, but but it, Lizzo's not pretty. Lizzo is ob- objectively Lizzo is not pretty. Although you might find her pretty, we could argue she's not healthy. That much we can agree with. We can't agree with that. Oh, fantastic! Can we agree that she kind of sexually abused her staff? No. Yes. We'll leave that for others. Oh, I, I guarantee you they, they, they think that everything's going to get paid off for them. But there's a really interesting thing here about giving up. You know, earlier uh, this week, we had Noah Rothman on the show. And I don't agree with Noah on everything uh, politically. Not, not, not at all. Certainly on candidates and, and things like that. But it's one of the reasons I enjoy talking to him is because he's a thoughtful mind, even if I disagree. And it was this conversation, uh, you can go back and check the podcast, about nihilism about how this younger generation has been, you know, kind of lied to about everything. They're utilized as pawns and they're fully aware of it. And they're disgusted by it. How they've been treated not, you know, not like voters, not like people with with a mind and a thought to be convinced, but rather as people to be controlled and manipulated. Well, what if 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 that concept of of the nihilism, I pronounce it nihilism, other people pronounce it nihilism. Uh what if uh that concept of the, the the concept of the nihilism has now applied itself everywhere eh, what does it all matter eh, somebody else will pay for it eh, i'm not worrying about debt eh, i'm not worrying about anything i'm i'm going to get my self gratification right now because it's all about me in the moment how i feel at the moment it's a broadband world i don't want to have to wait for anything the world's uh terrible i might as well just enjoy myself now cuz that's all that matters me 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 right here at this moment 
Is that the ego beating the id or the id beating the ego? I don't remember. What I know is it's not a good way to live. Wait till you learn that self-restraint has rewards. As a matter of fact, is a hallmark of what? Adulthood. The concepts of restraint and the concepts of sacrifice as an adult in order to create something better down the road. That, you lose that. Dang, you lose a whole lot of you know what. I think these things do connect in a weird way. Uh, Either way, it's not good. And what this signals to me is that, uh, yes, indeed, yes, indeed, I think we're going to see this economy is worse than we believe or worse than the Biden administration certainly wants to, to talk about. This is Tony Katz today. The gag order is back on Donald Trump. I, what is happening here? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on? This is a New York appeals court that reinstated the gag order. This is the civil business fraud case brought by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, which is what she ran on. She campaigned on this. This is madness. You campaign on going after a citizen. You get elected. You go after a citizen. We're all supposed to sit back and think that this is normal? This is obscene. Well, the judge in the case had applied a a gag order. And then there was a court that said, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't put a gag order on the man. You put a gag order on on him. Uh, This is is a violation of his First Amendment rights. You can't tell him he can't speak. That's crazy. And that was certainly, I think, the, the, the right decision. So now you had this four-judge panel uh, that looked at this, and they have overturned the appellate judge who had ordered uh, a, a stay on the, on the, I think it would be a, a considered a stay, on the gag order while the appeals process played out. And now they're saying, oh, yeah, the judge in this case Arthur and Gorin can uh, impose the gag order because Trump made a derogatory comment about the judge's law clerk on social media. You can argue that Trump is saying things that are terrible, but it's different than whether or not he should be allowed to say things. And since we already know uh, that the ruling is that he's guilty, it's just going to be a question of how much. I mean, that was that was written on the wind. That It's already been declared. He, 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 can't, he can't notice that he's being abused? The people who talk about the rule of law but are so silent about the abuse of the law, that's, that is what's staggering here. And it's why I don't listen to them. It's why, and I, I would argue you shouldn't either. Until they admit that this is abusive, this is an elected official abusing their power to go after a private citizen based on nothing more than political favors to others. Oh, he got favorable loan terms because he manipulated numbers on on a form. He lied about his personal wealth. Okay, let's say he did. Did the loan get paid back? Wouldn't that be the responsibility of the people giving the loan? The state's going to go after him? The loans got paid back. I'm not saying he's a great guy. I am saying I want to know where the victim is here. 
But she went after him because that's what she campaigned on. That's nothing to be proud of. The gag order is back in effect. This is Tony Katz today. This possibly is one of the best headlines of 2023. And just so perfect. Armed carjacking gang foiled because they couldn't drive Porsche's stick shift. There is nothing that makes America come together more than a stupid criminal. Absolutely nothing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Yes, not even Taylor Swift. 833-468-8669-833. Uh, got Tony. That is uh, the, the number. Uh, the story, this took place in Maryland. Um, this group jumps out of their car tries to steal a guy's Porsche. They actually pistol whipped the owner of a restaurant. But the guy who owns the Porsche, this 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 restaurant tour has a, a dash cam. This red car pulls up next to his. Um they pull a gun on the business owner. So that happened. They pull a gun on him. Um then it goes out of frame. They beat him up. They steal his phone. They steal his his passport. They do everything. There it is. He's trying to walk away. They beat the daylights out of him. And then they realize they can't drive the car. And one of the guys in the car also had a gun. He's actually, you could see him pointing directly at the dash cam. He doesn't know he's pointing at, at the dash cam. Um, we could celebrate the fact that these people are morons and couldn't drive the car. And I would argue that teaching your kid to drive stick is pretty important. I think the story here is exactly how many more carjackings are we going to be dealing with? Because there's a lot of carjackings. There's an FBI agent who got carjacked. That's... That's saying something. We, right now, exist in a society where those who commit the crimes, A, think they're in charge, and B, well, are never prosecuted, so I guess they clearly are in charge. This is a serious issue. One that we're going to need good lawyers to deal with going forward. Sadly, uh, there, there are no good lawyers coming forward. Oh, I, I know the, the lawyers will be angry with me. And my answer is, uh, it's your fault. You're the ones who allowed law schools to get this way. You're the ones who don't push back. I mean, some of you are actually the law professors. What kind of job are you doing? By the way, I expect to be sued by tomorrow. That's the problem with, with uh, the, the, the lawyers. When we talk about, I, I forget who said this. I thought it was an interesting thought. And this is why we have courts. So that would be my argument counter to it. But, you know, we say we're a nation of laws, but... We're actually a nation of lawyers who create laws that benefit them. It's not too late to go to law school, kids. It's not too late to be a lawyer and fight back. And I am not advocating for getting for not going into the profession of law. I am advocating for people on the political right and rational people to go absolutely into the, the profession of law or at least have uh, the degree, at least pass the bar so you can engage in the fight properly. 
Paul Karen is the dean of the Caruso School of Law, Pepperdine. 58% of prospective law students want to attend a school with classmates of the same political views. Yeah, this permission, th- this profession is you know what it. This profession is all sorts of messed up. And we know this is true in medicine. Medicine is messed up. Uh, you have med students who are taking uh, the, their, their oath, you know, do no harm. And what are they saying? We acknowledge that this uh, medical facility exists on stolen land. Wait till they learn that it's all stolen land. This whole idea of stolen land, it's all stolen land. It all belonged to somebody else at some other time. And then it didn't. And that's it. The United States is on stolen land of, uh, sure, uh, of Native American tribes. Now trace back to those tribes that then stole the land from other tribes. And go back and go back. What is the argument here? Well, that it should be given back. That's not happening. So stop being crazy. As a matter of fact, I want to see how you make it happen. Start with California. Give California back to Mexico. Reconquista and all that. Go ahead. Give back California. First of all, many of us won't miss it. Look, I loved my time in California. I loved my time in California. And yes, the weather in Southern California is brilliant. I love the mountains. I love being able to hit uh, uh, Malibu and hit the beach uh, with, with my very young kids at the time. Take them to Big Bear and go sledding. We, we, we were broke when we lived in California, absolutely broke. And so we found out, we, we drove up there and got a cabin for like two days and the cabin was was sizzling hot garbage. Oh my God, it was terrible. Even the, the kids were young. They remember like, this is, this is dank. Um, but uh, we, we stayed in it and we were like, okay, we know we can go sledding tobogganing down the down the hills and stuff what does it cost we didn't have we didn't have the money but we just wanted to do something with the kids and we learned that for five bucks a day you can get a pass you can park on the side of the road and you can just walk up into the hills and go sledding oh we bought we bought two (laughs) two days and i have pictures of my oldest who must have been five six something like that in a a a sled like like a toboggan kind of sled right so pla- big sheet of plastic uh and launched literally is in midair and the, the toboggan if you will the sled is in midair and, and and my kid is in midair in the toboggan right off the 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 toboggan i have that photo i am not much uh, of a photographer although i i enjoy the idea of it um it's it's the best picture I've ever taken in my life. And so much so that is the picture there and so good that I don't actually have a copy of it around. It's in my head. And I think of that every now and again. It's not like I think of it every day, but every now and again, that moment, that event hits, my, hits me. And I'm like, that was good. Didn't have a lot of money. I'll take that back. We had no money. I was trying to build a, a, a radio career. But we had that. I, I don't know if my kids remember it. I, I really don't. Maybe if they saw the photos, they'd remember it. I don't know if they view it in the same way uh, that, that I do. I, I view it as just this, my gosh. It, it's, it, it, it was like, it, that, that comes to me when I, when I think about dollars and cents. And I'm like, it's not about, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the things. It's about the experience. 
Everything my kid was wearing came from Goodwill. Everything. The jacket and the mittens and the hat, it all came from Goodwill. Guaranteed, that's where my wife got it. Or from a garage sale. How else did the kids uh, get, get clothing? Uh, there was not a new toy that my kids had until maybe they were 10. Couldn't afford it. Could not afford it. Everything came from a garage sale or Goodwill. Everything. I don't think they missed out. I don't think they missed out on on on, on a childhood. I, I really and truly don't. And certainly, I, I, I hope not. So I enjoyed my time in California. But if they want to give it back to Mexico, they can give it back to Mexico. Let's see what happens. But are you going to give it back the way it is? Right? Reconquista. You're going to give uh, California back to Mexico the way it is? This stolen land? Or are you going to say, well, you can have it back, but you can't have any of the upgrades we made to it? No, 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 you get it back the way we found it. Pull every piece of copper out of the ground, every pipe, take out every road, every bridge, every airport, everything. You get it back this way. Enjoy. See, that's the way I would do it. If we're going to give back land, I give it back the way I got it. Of course the land was taken. It was won. It was occupied. It doesn't matter what you say. It's all Marxism garbage. This is the way it is. Right now, California exists, the United States exists, and the people who claim it's stolen land, you sound ridiculous. A recognition of history is important. It is not important for doctors taking the oath to do no harm. What's important is that they passed organic chemistry, and any med school who disagrees is a med school not worth its holy damn salt. And you say to me, Tony, you're not a doctor. You're right. So why is it that I know more about what's important regarding staying alive? How is that possible? It's possible because my mind is not filled with bullcrap nonsense regarding stolen land. Now that is a different point of view than maybe some people have. But according to this polling from Kaplan as discussed by Paul Karen, the dean of the Caruso School of Law, 58% of pre-law students say that, quote, it's important for them to attend a law school where their fellow students generally hold the same political social views as they do. That's a mistake. That is a serious, serious issue and one that we should address. They're saying they want to go to a law school where everybody thinks the same way. Can I ask how anything is ever challenged in that environment? Because if they want that of the students who surround them, one would assume they want that from the professors who are supposed to teach them. And a conversation about the law would mean different perspectives about the law and different perspectives of what you can apply as a defense uh, in going about charging somebody, in engaging a conversation about theory, if you're surrounded by people who only think like you do, how do you get to challenge assumptions? Exactly the point. It is about eliminating other assumptions because there is only one right answer. There is only one way to think it. There is only one way to view it. We see this on college campuses all the time. We see this when they try to shout down or when they try when they're successful in shouting down conservative voices, not allowing Riley Gaines on campus 
the, uh, I, I don't mean to get back to a conversation, but a man says they're a woman and takes a woman's spot on a swim team, changes in front of the women, makes them feel uncomfortable, and the women are told to take it. And then a woman like Riley Gaines comes on campus and says, I think that's wrong. And they think Riley Gaines is the violent one. Man, these progressives are messed up. As Evan Say it would explain, not only wrong, but as wrong as wrong can be. 180 degrees uh, 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 in opposition of the truth, in opposition of reality. So since we know this to be true, and we've discussed this on college campuses, one would think it makes perfect sense that, that the law students are, are saying this. Now, I, I would look at this a different way as, as well. I think it is, it, is, it is possible, if not probable, that people want to be surrounded by those who they like and who like them, and that would usually lend to some level of uh, uh, agreement. And certain characteristics, et cetera, could lead themselves to hanging out with certain groups of people. Your religion means you, you spend more time at church, so you might spend more time around people who are Christian. That's not saying you have an opposition spending time around other people. Um, if, if you are black, you might have gone to a historically black college and university, which means you may have more black friends, uh, than, than white friends makes sense. I, I don't think there's anything odd about that. And there's only an issue if you're like, yeah, I don't talk. I don't associate with those others because those others, blah, 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 blah. That's the part that is the problem. The law students are saying, I don't associate with those others. And the others involve ideological, if you will, disagreement. They don't want to be challenged. When this survey was done in January of 2020, uh, as is reported, only 46% of, of students said this issue was important. That number is also way too big. Four and a half out of 10? Now it's nearly six out of 10. Six out of 10 law students do not want to be questioned. They want total agreement and total fealty. Yeah, we got a problem going into the future. I mean, we've got bigger problems. We have nobody to fix our toilets. Uh, I mean, honestly, if we're going to rank the problems, we've got the people who are full of crap, the lawyers, and then we have no way to flush the crap we, we, need, we need plumbers. We need plumbers more than we need lawyers. We, we really do. We, we, good Lord, look at what we're ranking. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. The big debate tonight, Ron DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom. It's going to be on Fox. Sean Hannity, I believe, is hosting the thing. Let's talk about the big policy issues. It's a win for both of them. It's a loss for both of them. It all depends on how you want to look at it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, I think it's at, I think it's at 9 p.m. It's when it's happening. DeSantis has a bunch to lose because he can be made to look foolish by, by Gavin Newsom, and that could be used against him in the conversation uh, regarding the debate that takes place on December 6th, the fourth Republican debate, where I think Vivek Ramaswamy is just going to get smacked around like it's his job. This story that Ramaswamy's national political director left the Ramaswamy campaign and now will be working for the Trump campaign, that's... 
That, that is a rough story. That is a rough story. I mean, Ramaswamy may be denying it, doing whatever, but whoo. Oh, that's, that's going to be a lot of fodder for Nikki Haley. A lot of fodder for Nikki Haley. So DeSantis definitely has stuff that he can lose. But DeSantis can also show that, look, my Florida is better than your California. Our policies are better than your policies. And therefore, nationally, they would be better for the country than what you have to offer Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom gets to, you know, show how charismatic he is and show how good he looks in a suit and how cool, calm, and collected and make Democrats say, oh, yeah, he'd be a way better choice than Joe Biden. And we should engage for clarity more and more. It is thought of that Joe Biden will be replaced on the ticket. And I think that makes uh, a, a lot of sense that people think this. Because Joe Biden, that more and more stories about him, more and more stories attacking him, more and more Democrats questioning him, and it's driving him crazy. But how do Democrats think they're going to replace him this late in the game? And how are they going to replace him with Gavin Newsom, a white man, when you've got uh, the vice president, Kamala Harris, a woman of color right there? That's going to create a lot of friction. That's going to create some issues. As to replacing Biden, it's Democrats, right? Like you guys always say, it's the Democrats. They'll do whatever they want. And it'll happen at the convention. And that will be that. And as for uh, the replacement... Why in the world would you think that it's uh, Gavin Newsom or or Kamala Harris when clearly it's going to be Michelle Obama? Oh, God! What? You haven't thought about that before? You will now. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.